for those of you that remember, uh, for status coup OGers, and for those that have been watching over the last few weeks, I brought to you uh, a story of a guy named Anthony Martino. Um, for those that remember, remember Anthony, um, unfortunately, his wife Sarah, uh, who was 35, was uh, terminally ill uh, with aphaxia or ataxia, which is a degenerative um, uh, disease. Uh, she was incapacitated, and Anthony was her 24-7 caretaker um, for years, um, taking care of her and all that. Um, and even though Anthony had a full-time job taking care of her, taking her to the bathroom, cleaning her, feeding her, they could only communicate by blinking, um, full-time job. Uh, because we live in the United Corporations of America, during the coronavirus pandemic, his landlord was trying to evict him. Uh, his parents were helping Anthony pay the rent because Anthony could not work. He was taking care of Sarah, his incapacitated wife, full-time. Um, but because of coronavirus, his parents took a big financial hit and could no longer help Anthony with rent. So his degenerate landlord was trying to evict Anthony and his terminally ill, incapacitated wife. Uh, just a quick reminder what the interview, uh, what Anthony's story, Anthony and Sarah's story was about. A couple of months, I've been basically quarantined for like almost four or five years because I can't, I can't really go that far. <laughs> yeah, that's why. So I got to be here constantly. Um, my, my radius is basically an avenue one way and an avenue under way. So that's mm -hmm. why I like here is because I can, I can walk down the block, grab something, come right back. Uh, with COVID, it makes it a little bit harder because running to the grocery store, there's a line now. So, you know, it takes 45 minutes to get into the grocery store. But, you know, I can't leave hard for 45 minutes. And you know, what, uh, what, other than the help you were getting from your parents, do you get disability, Medicaid? What are you surviving on? Yeah, Social Security. And then we also had a, a rental house that was her father's from when he passed away. And the only reason that Sarah was able to really get that is because her family had to fight her to make sure her mom didn't take it. One second, one second. So, yeah, we had that rental money coming in, but that rental money stopped. You know, that was like seven fifty a month to help with everything. And then my parents would help with a little bit of the top. So, um, and, you know, that, that stopped a couple months ago because they haven't been able to pay uh, for the rental house. So, and you know, it's, it's not it's a, it's a small house in Florida, but under Alabama, that part. One second. Baby, 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 I'm right here, I'm right here, I'm right here. So, yeah, I'm, basically I'm trying to figure out how, how uh, I'm trying to find some way to get something to the landlord so I could stay a couple extra months so that way I have time to, to get out of here. So for those of you who never saw that interview, if you're new, uh, I'm highlighting it and putting it in the super chat if you'd like to watch the full thing. Anthony, uh, during that interview, which was about 20 minutes long, had to get up four separate times because his wife was incapacitated and he tended to her 24-7. Uh, we highlighted it because Anthony, 
who is the 24-7 caretaker for his wife, was literally being threatened with eviction during a deadly pandemic, it's not easy to move an incapacitated, terminally ill woman. Um, and status quo viewers uh, came through. Uh, we did, Anthony did a GoFundMe, and after we uh, showed that story, uh, status quo viewers, uh, through just your sheer generosity and, and just really moves me, uh, raised over $12,000 for Anthony. Even after raising over $12,000, for Anthony and Sarah so that he could avoid eviction. Uh, he owed several months on rent. Uh, the ge generous donations from you, the viewers, to Anthony more than covered uh, his uh, back pay for rent. His degenerate, degenerate landlord still tried to push him and his wife out, including cutting off his plumbing and utilities. Uh, I got the sad news today that Sarah, Anthony's wife, has passed away at the age of 35. Um, Anthony, you know, with ataxia, which was her uh, terminal illness, uh, ataxia, which was her terminal illness, um, you know, her father had it. He passed away at 40. So Anthony really, it's not the kind of thing you really know exactly when uh you, when your loved one is going to pass, but he did not know uh, she was about to die. And he was not with her uh, when she died because he had to be at the apartment dealing with his scummy, scummy landlord. I'm not going to uh, bother Anthony right now trying to get full details of who his landlord is or who the company is because his wife just died. And obviously, he needs time to grieve. Uh, I tweeted about it uh, from my Twitter. Um, so you could check that out, at Jordan Sheridan. Uh, at a later date, I will speak with Anthony again, uh, his landlord, and that landlord company. They'll be hearing from status quo. And, you know, I, I did not know Sarah, um, his wife, who came down with this illness in her early 30s. Um, but, and I don't know Anthony, I've never met him. I've just interviewed him. And then we direct messaged, um, we direct messaged on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, but I do want to share something that I hope makes status quo viewers feel good, um, in this terrible moment for Anthony. Um, and I feel for him. I didn't know Sarah, but I, I feel terrible. Um, I, I sent my condolences, and uh, I don't think he would mind me showing this, but he wrote, uh, thanks, brother. You are one of the few in her life that fought for her. I was at the apartment packing, up, packing stuff up and waiting for the super to come still fix the bathtub. I got a call from my mom, who was with her. She told her that Anthony is coming, and she smiled and then passed away at uh, passed away. So Anthony thanked uh, Status Coup for fighting for her, but more importantly, um, you guys came through for him. Obviously, it did not end well uh, with Sarah's passing. But I just want to point out that 
we, we focus so much on the Democratic Party and the, the Republican Party uh, and the corruption in this country, but it is truly it is truly unconscionable. I understand we're in a pandemic. I understand landlords, not all of them are degenerates, and a lot of them have bills to pay. It is unconscionable that in a, the richest country in the world, a landlord would threaten, would try to push out a 24-7 caretaker for a terminally ill 35-year-old woman to the point of cutting their plumbing to force them out, even though through our GoFundMe, Anthony got the funds to pay a lot of rent, a lot of the rent he owed, to the point that as his Anthony is trying to move his terminally ill wife, which you cannot do very quickly, his landlord is threatening to sue Anthony. I don't want to rush this, so I'm not going to name the landlord or the company, even though I have it, because I want to do my homework, and I'm going to reach out to this landlord out of fairness to get his comment. But this landlord is not the only landlord. He's with a corporation. And because this country is no longer a country, we live in the United Corporations of America, and because landlords and CEOs and corporations and politicians don't care if you're breathing, don't care if you could live, don't care if you have shelter, don't care if you have food, don't care if you have medicine. Anthony, in the final days and weeks of his wife's life, had to deal with this bull****, excuse my French, a landlord cutting their plumbing, threatening lawsuits against him to force a 24-7 caretaker and his terminally ill 35-year-old wife out. That is disgusting. Donald Trump's not going to do a goddamn thing for the entities of the world. Joe Biden is not going to do a goddamn thing for the entities of the world. By the way, if we had a progressive in office... Anthony wouldn't be dealing with this because we ha would have something called Medicare for all and Anthony wouldn't have had to be the sole caretaker for his terminally ill wife because Bernie's bill and Medicare for all provided for long-term care, which had provisions for home care. So I'm not going to name the landlord yet. And I'm not going to name his company because I want to do my homework. But I will say, uh, Anthony's story is just one of many. I wish I could tell them all. And, you know, I don't know when it started. My, you know, I theorized in the 1980s with the Gordon geckoization of America. You know, greed is good. Go get yours. But doesn't really it's not going to matter who the president is until something psychologically changes in this country where humanity 
re-enters the building. I don't care if it's a pandemic. A landlord should not be trying to evict someone with a terminally ill wife who, by the way, raised nearly $13,000 thanks to you and offered to pay back pay. What's truly incredible is, you know, this, what I'm about to show you, any objective person who isn't a Democratic Party consultant could have told you. What I'm about to tell you, any objective political mind who is not whose livelihood isn't invested in keeping the status quo, could have told you this. I told you this, I don't know, three weeks ago, a month ago. All right, if the election were held today, Biden would win. But these people counting Trump out, these people that think Trump's out of this and Biden's going to win by a landslide, you're delusional. Well, new poll. National poll, Emerson, who, by the way, Emerson was one of the most reliable polls uh, in the Democratic primary. Joe Biden up by two percentage points. That's a two-point shift in President Trump's direction since last month. This poll uh, shows after both party conventions. Uh, Those of you who know polling, two points, that is well, well within the margin of error. So essentially, this is a tie. And I want to be consistent. I don't really pay attention much to national polls because national polls are national polls. If we had a sane country, we would go by the popular vote, but we don't. So I focus on the battleground states because that's how you, that's how the election is won. So although it is extremely concerning, uh, this poll, I look at the battleground states uh, first and foremost. Well, if you look at the battleground states, it's a pretty ugly picture. Let me bring you to real clear politics. And all of these averages are without new polls after the RNC convention. Uh, The RNC convention ended on August 20. Oh, I'm incorrect. Excuse me. So these are uh, some of these polls show uh, after the RNC, which ended on August 20th. Let me bring you back here. Wisconsin. Biden is up three and a half points, the average of polls, and that is including, uh, I believe, polls that were taken after, yes, after the RNC. Three and a half is nothing in Wisconsin. Florida. Biden is up less than four. I wouldn't be feeling safe if I'm Joe Biden's campaign. Michigan, Biden's up less than three, average of polls. Again, all within the margin of error, so these are essentially ties. Uh, 
Pennsylvania. Biden is up less than five. That, you know, not terrible. Not amazing either. North Carolina, basically tied. They've lumped in Arizona as a swing state, which Hillary Clinton foolishly tried to win last time instead of going to Wisconsin. Biden is up less than a little over two. So again, basically tied. So in the majority of battleground states right now, Biden and Trump are basically tied. So if you look at the Emerson poll that I just showed you, which again, Emerson was a very reliable pollster during the Democratic primary, where Biden is up only two points. To me, this right here is this right here. Courtesy of Colin Tooley. I mean, the fact that Donald Trump, and again, this is one poll, but Emerson has usually been reliable. The fact that Donald Trump is honestly over 10% with black voters in this country right now. The fact that Trump even has 19%. Of black voters? Wow. The fact that Trump has 37% in this poll of Latinos? If Trump gets 19% of black voters, if Trump gets 37% of Latino voters, he's going to win and it's not even going to be close. The black voters is the most troubling to me. Donald Trump should not be getting over 10% of black voters in America, much less 19%. And by the way, uh, Trump actually, that one category, Trump is up. 56 to 41 among white people. So, I mean, I hate to say we told you so. But it is truly unreal that during a deadly pandemic where President Trump did not act when he first was warned about this, Peter Navarro, his trade advisor, who's a dip on most things, but was actually right on the coronavirus, he warned the fact that Donald Trump didn't act. If Donald Trump would have acted in February, and just lock down the country. I know the civil libertarians freak out, but that's what he should have done. In August, we have had a thousand deaths a day. Donald Trump is responsible. At this point, I think we've passed six million cases in this country. 184,000 deaths. That's on Donald Trump. And many governors who bungled this. A deadly pandemic. President Trump has presided over 183,000 deaths. 
Unemployment, eh, they say, is at 10.2%. Yeah, real unemployment, try closer to 15%. Unemployment among black people is even higher. Unemployment among Latinos is even higher. Deaths and cases among Latinos and black people, disproportionate to white people. If you had a any other living, breathing candidate running against Donald Trump that could actually articulate a bold vision that people need right now, that could actually give people hope, hey, the rescue boats are coming. Healthcare's coming. Some form of direct UBI is coming. Something. That person, I'm not even talking about Bernie right now. Any person would be crushing this fascist douchebag. But the Democratic Party told us Biden was the safest. Biden was the most electable. People in the Midwest don't want government health care. People in the Midwest don't want free public college. People in the Midwest don't want to end fracking. People in the Midwest are moderates and conservative, and they just want incrementalism and to go back to the good old days of Obamaism. This is, this is not a victory dance. Biden could still technically win. But has anybody asked, and these morons responding to me on Twitter, saying, well, you know, Jordan, the polls, this and that. Why is it even close? The DNC, MSNBC, or shall I say MSDNC, CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these gaslighting and I'm going to curse today a lot. Jen's not here, so I can do as I please. They gaslit not just people who already knew better. They gaslit older people. And I know that my viewers get triggered when I say this. As always, disclaimer, not all older people. We've got older people that are progressives. But by the data, majority of older people are drinking that, drinking that disgusting Kool-Aid all day long that MSNBC, CNN is giving them. They said, Bernie's a radical. Eh, Bernie hasn't figured it out with black people. Eh, Bernie, if, he, if he's the nominee, he'll get crushed. They'll call him a commie, a socialist. Oh, like they're calling Joe Biden right now? Corporate media gaslit older Americans to go to the polls, even during a pandemic, by the way, and vote for a half-lucid Republican to defeat a fascist in a sea of lies and not even dog whistles during Trump's RNC speech. I'm talking blaring sirens. There was... One part that I thought was very effective because it was one of the few things that Donald Trump could say that happens to be true. And if given the chance, he will be the destroyer. He's not a savior of America's soul. He is the destroyer of America's jobs. And if given the chance, he will be the destroyer of American greatness. For 47 years, Joe Biden took the donations of blue-collar workers Gave them hugs and even kisses. <laughs> and told them he felt their pain. 
And then he flew back to Washington and voted to ship our jobs to China and many other distant lands. Joe Biden spent his entire career outsourcing their dreams and the dreams of American workers, offshoring their jobs, opening their borders, and sending their sons and daughters to fight in endless foreign wars, wars that never ended. So the gaslighting that goes on in the media is if somebody like me shows something like that, I'm helping to elect Donald Trump. When someone like me in reality, who wanted to defeat Donald Trump, was screaming, and it wasn't just me, Jimmy Dore, Kyle Kalinske, Crystal Ball, all of them. All of them. Um, whoever else in independent media, screaming the entire time. You are running Hillary Clinton with a penis. You are running someone with the same exact vulnerabilities as Hillary Clinton. You are running somebody who has a worse record than Hillary Clinton because he has a much longer record. You are running someone that actually voted for NAFTA. You are running, you are running somebody that actually was on the Senate floor cheerleading for NAFTA. You are running for someone who is for TPP today. Do people... All of these idiots, the consultants, the media, the Democratic Party pundits that litter CNN and MSNBC and offer propaganda to older people to continue voting against their own interests and voting against the own interests of their children and grandchildren. All of these people kept gaslighting when all you had to do, which I did, was read the 2016 exit polls in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, and in Ohio. What were the top two issues? It was not Vladimir Putin. It was not Russia, WikiLeaks, Comey, trade, and immigration. Trade and immigration. Gee, why the hell would people in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Pennsylvania care about trade? Why would they be sucked into thinking Mexicans are the ones stealing their jobs? Muslims are taking their jobs. The other is taking their jobs. And why four years later would they suddenly, would they suddenly no longer care? That wouldn't be a top issue, free, tr- free trade deals. We were gaslit into re- thinking that this guy is the safest, most electable. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look. Here's the lives. It's just it's when you think about it, more lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. That's today as the corporate media. Literally, we're living in alternative realities here. CNN and MSNBC were doing naked jumping jacks for Joe Biden's speech today, which went after Trump, which, you know, attacked the looters and the protesters and acted tough. The man is not cognitively well. I've been saying it for over a year. I don't wish poor health. I'm not like that. I don't like him. I don't like his policies, but I'm not wishing him bad things. But we've been seeing this for over a year. And they've they've either chosen not to air it, or they just call it a gaffe. 
This is the honestly, in terms of propaganda, gaslighting, and manufacturing consent, what we are seeing right now. Honestly, to say the truth, and it pains me to say this, it really, truly pains me to have to say this. If Pete Buttigieg was the nominee, he'd be up by more than two points nationally. If Elizabeth Warren was the nominee right now, she'd be polling better and doing better than Joe Biden would. I mean, Andrew Yang, I think, would be doing better than Donald Trump. I mean, uh, I mean Biden. Bernie Sanders would be destroying Donald Trump right now. But let me show you something even more concerning. This is the real clear politics average of polls. You know, real clear politics is considered the Bible of polling. You see Hillary Clinton this time in 2016 in the battleground states, which they consider Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Florida, New Hampshire, Minnesota, Nevada. She was up a little, little under five points. Hillary Clinton with a penis, i.e. Joe Biden, The number's right there for you. Again, I don't focus that much on the national polls. Uh, the, the polls I focus on are the battleground polls. Hillary Clinton was up in some polls up by 10 points uh, towards in October of 2016. Iceberg. Hit. Not, not ahead. Hit. And by the way, Obama's in the front because Obama, more than anyone, helped rig this thing to elect Joe Biden as a Democratic nominee. And, you know, woke Kamala Harris behind him. I will be more than happy to have egg on my face if Joe Biden pulls out a landslide. But frankly, the fact that Joe Biden, during a deadly pandemic that President Trump is responsible for. Frankly, that clip I showed you, this Neanderthal, I mean, yes, personal responsibility, all of the maskless people in that RNC convention crowd chose, chose to go there without a mask. So if they get sick, they, it's on them. But this president has done more to push falsehoods about COVID, to put out false information that has literally killed people, and just had a super spreading event. It's not just those people that are going to get sick. They're going to make other people that didn't go to a convention during a pandemic without mess on top of each other sick. And people are going to die because of Trump and his mega ego and sociopathic, borderline psychopathic actions. But the Democratic Party ran somebody who has no policies, who has no vision, 
who is a bought-off servant, a, a just a nicer, more civilized than Donald Trump, bought-off servant to the banks, to the fossil fuel companies, fossil big pharma, Silicon Valley, military-industrial complex, who the media helped just invent an image that he's a union man, that he's middle-class Joe. Donald Trump, if, if, if you think what you just saw, the clip I played of Donald Trump, the rare part of a speech he's telling the truth, wait for the debates. Wait for Donald Trump. Once they realize this, you know, they, they, they will eventually pivot. They're going to realize trying to label Joe Biden a communist, so, socialist, you know, pro, you know, member of Antifa is not going to fly. And they will pivot to just bashing Biden for NAFTA, for TPP, for crime bill. They're going to go crime bill. They're going to show Alice Johnson and a couple other black people, a few black people Trump's ever done anything for. By the way, that 19% support among black people, that poll came after the RNC where Trump paraded several black people that he's done a few things for. When I say the Democratic Party is trying to lose, I'm actually convinced they're trying to lose. So it's just unbelievable to me. And frankly, frankly, progressives need to be alert. Because I'm telling you right now, I lived this in 2016. I was on the road, okay? I was at these debates. I had to deal with Donna Brazil's ridiculous bullshit about Russia. And, and then in the moment, in August and September and October of 2016, paving the road of rationalizations if Hillary Clinton lost. Paving the hysteria, propaganda of... Russia stole the election. They're doing it now. If you're seeing, you got James Clapper on CNN screaming Russia's, you know, interfering, stealing the election. Every other day I'm seeing more about Russia stealing the election. Russia is not responsible for the polls in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arizona. Donald Trump is close in Maine. Uh, Excuse me, not Maine. Minnesota. Do I need to remind you? I've said it 20 times today. Donald Trump, who has been the president presiding over the death of 184,000 Americans. By the way, I think that number is nonsense. I think it's well over 200,000 by by now. And oh, by the way, Donald Trump, who through executive action, through leadership, should have said, no, nobody's going back to college right now. Sorry, kiddies. You know, boys. Get the Jergens. Girls, you know, sorry. Nobody is going back to college campuses right now during a pandemic until we have a vaccine that is actually available to people. If you thought April, May was bad, oh, you just wait till everybody's back at school. These campuses opening up. It is absolutely bad crazy. Absolutely bad crazy. And Trump has the power to stop it right now, and he won't. Sorry. Get at me, civil libertarians. I don't really give a damn. But the thing about Donald Trump, the most dangerous type of person, in my view, 
is someone without true ideology. Donald Trump does not have a true ideology. If you've studied Donald Trump over the years, he was basically a Wall Street Democrat before he, because he is an expert in identifying where the wind is blowing, he was a Wall Street Democrat before he saw that the Tea Party and you know that whole movement was kind of reigniting and emboldening racist, white supremacists, and some that are just economically desperate being sucked into this. Before that, I mean, he was, anti- he was pro-choice. He was on to meet the press. I was pro-choice. He, when Obama became president, was complimentary for several years of Obama's policies. He complimented Obama. Stimulus. He doesn't, he's not naturally a Republican. But a man, without, a man or a woman without an ideology is the most dangerous because that means their only ideology is them. If your ideology is you, if you are a textbook narcissist, then you will do whatever you need to do to keep power. Not for a political goal. Trump doesn't care about building the wall. He doesn't care about, you know, historic tax cuts. It's not why Trump is in this. Trump has, it's not even a God complex, it's a Trump complex. And people without ideologies will seamlessly basically step into the roles that they've created for themselves. And in this moment, it is the law and order man. Do you think it's out of the realm of possibility that Donald Trump, through the Supreme Court, would try and change the Constitution so that he could serve more than two terms? I don't. Do you think it's out of the realm of possibility that Donald Trump will send tanks down the three, down the street and cops will start actually killing protesters? Not cops, I mean military people. Under the guise of law and order? I'm not here comparing him to Hitler. I'm telling you, this is a slippery slope. And if Donald Trump is reelected without an election to worry about, with a Republican Party that has already looked away, at him cheering on neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, a Republican Party that has cheered him on for every disgraceful, degenerate thing he's done? If you think you've reached rock bottom and there is no, nowhere else to go with Trump, you're mistaken. And by the way, I missed this. You want to talk about... You want to talk about starting a race war? You want to talk about not even dog whistling anymore, not even winking and a nod, wink and a nod to white supremacists? While I've been live, Donald Trump had a press conference and said, and I quote about Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old crazy white supremacist that went and killed two people about him. Well, he probably would have been killed. Someone. 
the actions of vigilantes like Kyle Rittenhouse? And well, we're, we're looking at all of it. Uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw. And uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like. And he fell. And then they very violently attacked him. And it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. But uh, I, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed, but it's under, it's under investigation. Do you think private citizens should be taking guns? I'd like to see law enforcement take care of everything. I think everything should be taken care of, law enforcement. But again, we have to give our cops back, our police back their dignity, the respect. They're very talented people. They're strong. Defending Kyle Rittenhouse, saying the 17-year-old was very violently attacked before he opened fire in Kenosha. Of course, there's no facts that support that. Eyewitnesses have said otherwise. This is Donald Trump literally defending a 17-year-old who came from Illinois, not even from Kenosha, Wisconsin, armed to the teeth. So we could take on the Democratic Party all day long, and I do it every day. But let's not pretend there's not a lot at stake here.